Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Sean Kleisinger in for Derek Taylor. And I hope you had a very Merry Christmas with family and friends. Lots of turkey, lots of cabbage rolls maybe, lots of gravy if your stomach can handle it. <laughs> back in the saddle for another week here. And uh, we're going to be taking a look back at the year of 2021 for the next two days. We're going to be reliving the year that was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it was one of those years where there was a whole lot going on even before the season kicked off. And this is kind of ironic the way I had the start of this show planned. Charleston Hughes released, of course, by the Argos over the weekend. And we are going to start today's show going back to revisit when the Riders released Charleston Hughes earlier this year. Full circle. Here's Derek Taylor with Charleston Hughes. The enormous news from the day is the Riders releasing Charleston Hughes six days shy of the official opening of free agency. Uh, Charleston Hughes joins us on the line. Hey, Charleston, thanks for uh, carving out some time for us today. Uh, no problem. Thanks. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm good. I'm in a happy place, always. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the day the team lets you go, you're in a happy place. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm in a happy place because... For one, I don't gotta, I don't gotta sit up here and keep going back and forth on a contract that I knew was never gonna happen with this team. And for two, I I can move on and now figure out where I want to go and where I where I'm actually wanted. Yeah, you you don't feel like you were wanted here. Uh, it came it came down to it just came down to two two less of a of a of a number. Not to know that if I if I was wanted, you know the the the, the contract would have been done and I would have been with the team. Like there was a there was ways to to kind of make it work and kind of figure something out to try to keep me in Saskatchewan. I don't think the efforts were put in to me for me to be here. You would have liked what does it what does that mean? What would you like the riders to do? More movement on the on the salary parts of things? More more love i don't even know how to i've never been in one of these negotiations so i'm curious what you would have liked more of <laughs> but the thing is you just go into negotiation thinking like man I'll, i just want to be getting a get into a place of where i'm comfortable and where i feel where i feel like i'm wanted you got to be in a comfortable place <laughs> that's what it all boils down to you got to be in a comfortable place where you feel wanted and where you feel like there was some give and take and I don't feel like there was enough give and take there for me. Uh, I'll th I'll throw this at you and feel free to to not answer this uh, in any in any real way. But uh, we had Farhan Lalji of TSN on, and he said uh, what he heard is the difference between what you had wanted and what the team had wanted to give you was about fifteen thousand dollars. Is that correct? Yeah, it was roughly about fifteen thousand dollars, and they were they weren't trying to meet me in the middle. Did it surprise you, like when when you proposed your when you had, I guess, your counter proposal to them? Did you what did you think their reaction would be? I mean, my my counter proposal to them was me taking a pay cut over over what you were going to make in twenty twenty. Yeah, like my counter proposal was me taking a pay cut, and that's what the team wanted me to do, right? Take a pay cut. So when I offer a pay cut back to the team. 
and they still deny the fact that it, I guess it wasn't in 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 the way they wanted me to take a pay cut. But I don't. I mean, I don't know how else more to go about the situation. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing would be cut more and cut more, and then that gets. I, I'm I'm guessing that gets you to an uncomfortable place because you got to take yeah, care of yourself. Yeah, so, so how, that's why I said so. How much bend and take should there be? I offered myself a pay cut, and it didn't work out. We couldn't come to an agreement. So, so I, I mean, now the now the world is your oyster, right? Now you, I mean, and I I don't want to I. I'm so uncomfortable with the whole situation and I feel sad and yet I feel like, okay, well, someone's going to, Charleston's going to have a, a soft place to land in my mind, certainly. Uh, so I, I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm making light of the situation at all. This is, this is uncomfortable for me. I, it's, there's a conversation uh, and I know you're almost certainly having it about uh, what does past performance count for and what does a prediction of the future count for? Tell me what, by our our numbers, sixty two sacks over the last four years should count for. I mean, I don't I don't think it should count for nothing because it's about what have you done for me lately, right? So you're only judged on your performance in this in this sport of football. So the only performance you have to really judge somebody on is how they last performed on the field. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how rankings work. That's how power rankings and everything works. That's how life works. And if you're in, if you're in the if you're in the the uh, the radio world like this, it's about what your last performance was when you were on the radio. Yeah. How <laughs> so, how was your last performance? I said, knowing what the answer is. I mean, my last performance, one hundred percent, was the best in the league. Uh, by our, I mean, sixteen sacks according to CFL, uh, eighteen sacks by our numbers, including the playoffs. And what was the number? Uh, here's here's what we have. Uh, last four years, you played 72 games, again, including the playoffs. 62 quarterback sacks. The next best in the entire league is 42 sacks. So 20 sacks better than the next best in the entire Canadian Football League. The leader in quarterback pressures as well by 21 over Willie Jefferson. Uh, in my mind, there's no question that, that from – Age thirty-two to thirty-five, you crushed CFL fields. Yeah, man, and and like, like I I, I know I know that I that I because I keep track of like all my stats. I keep track of you know my performance on the field. I like to I like to have my own performance chart on 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 the field. So I like to make sure that I'm playing at a high level at all times. Every time I touch the football field, so when when. Even when teams are tracking it, I'm still looking like, okay, I'm making sure if we do have a production chart, I'm making sure I hit, I crush this production chart and get to the top faster than anybody ever having on the team. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's something that I look forward to doing. I love challenging myself to that aspect to make sure that I remain, you know, a dominant force throughout my whole entire career, really, until I until I leave this game. I want to be known as that player. Every time I stepped on the field, every season I played, you know, I've dominated. Talking to Charleston Hughes on the Western Pizza Hotline. I I don't know how much the Riders were concerned about this. I don't know how much other teams would be concerned about this. But do teams are they right to be concerned about you being thirty seven years old? Uh it's com- it's completely up to them. I don't know what the worry is. <laughs> <laughs> If that if that's what you're boiling everything down to, then sounds like sounds like somebody's a fool, then right? 
<laughs> it you I mean, you're a professional athlete. You've seen you've seen guys come and go and as you get to certain ages, guys drop off. There's no there's no hard number, right? We pulled up the example of uh Odell Willis in his age thirty four season fell off a cliff. You at thirty five led the league in sacks. And John Bowman at 37, last time we saw him, actually had a real nice season and took a bump from his when he was 36. So age is a real, real tricky thing. We assign this is old, but it's not old for everybody, if you know what I mean. The, the one person who summed it up to me, which is probably why he's one of the, one of the greater coaches in this, in this league, is Wally Bono. He came up, I've never even played for Wally Bono before. But he came up to me one time and told me that I have a I have a keen eye for pass rushers that that are about thirty two plus because I, he felt like when you're at that age that's when you get the best football out of a pass rusher out of a defensive end you don't get their pat you don't get their best football until they hit their late thirties. Interesting. How do you feel your body is different from, say, six years ago? Man, you should see me right now, man. I'm toned up. I'm built like I'm 22. <laughs> but the, I guess the, <laughs> the thing is, when when you get back onto the field, the other guys will actually be like 22 and 25, right? They'll be uh, they'll be guys. You get older, but they keep staying the same age. If you know what I mean. Yeah, man. You just got to find a way to defeat Father Time. What do they say? What this is what you got to put into perspective when Father Time happens to a man what happens well father time is undefeated as the saying goes yeah but what what physically happens to your body when father time kicks in let's see uh currently my back hurts uh, i'm i'm a little flabbier around the middle my hair is grayer than it used to be and I, I my legs don't have the explosion they used to but then i'm i'm like 10 years older than you so that's 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 where <laughs> i'm at well this is what happens this is what happens to me hit me i probably i probably got about Two extra hairs in my beard. I've lost I've lost fifteen pounds over the last maybe three months. Um and my back feels amazing. I just did a set of back squats probably last week, so it feels amazing. That's that's not bad. It's man, I, I've I've said for the last few days I would have paid Charleston whatever he wanted because of the impact he had. Uh and here's one thing I was thinking about today. Um your injury, I keep referring to your 2019 injury as a broken arm. Would, was it a broken arm or was it a chip in your elbow? What, how would you classify it? Yeah, it was a, a bone a bone chip in my elbow. So I don't know where the bone came from. Maybe I broke my funny bone. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, what, what I admire is I really didn't hear a lot of, I, I heard zero complaining about you playing with a broken arm in 2019, like none. And it just struck me today. I'm like, yeah, he didn't make a real big deal out of that thing. He put on the RoboCop and and kept playing. I mean, I, I thought about it like it crossed paths with me and the team where it came down to a point where I needed to get surgery halfway through the season and stop playing and get the surgery because I couldn't move my arm. Like my arm was locked in a position because the bone was jammed inside my elbow. So it restricted all my movement in my elbow. But at a time, I mean, it was like I was – I was on a run for defensive player of the year at that point. I mean, I made defensive player of the month every single month up until I broke my arm. So it, it came to a point where, you know what, I had to figure it out and I had to find out a way how to play through it. So, you know, even, even when it comes to that, me 
sacrificing that much for for the team, you got to be able to sacrifice a little bit for me. <laughs> like I, I played with a broken arm during a playoff run where I thought we really had a chance to win the Grey Cup. <laughs> yeah. throw, throw, throw on an elbow sleeve, never complained about it one time, said, you know what, I'm going to just ride it out because I feel like I'm the best option even with a broken arm. Yeah. First nine games of 2019, 10 quarterback sacks and 32 quarterback pressures by our numbers was were leading the league at that point. What several people have have said to us on the show and said to me is, man, Charleston's a real, really solid leader in the locker room. I'm curious, uh, with you now being released by the Riders, who are who are the leaders left? Who's who can step up into that role for the Riders? Um, you know, they still got they still got Cody Fajardo over there. They still got they picked up Fred Bishop. I'm pretty sure he's he's a great guy. He's been in the league a long time. You know, AC Leonard would be another guy that would have to step up. And I mean, from there, they just gotta gotta figure it out. You know, leaders are leaders are are are, are made. <laughs> so when it comes to figuring it out inside the locker room, I mean, you gotta figure out who the leaders are. Yeah, somebody gotta step up, right? How, you talked about this. Uh, a lot of guys, I would think most guys have agents. You do it yourself, right? You you do your own agenting. Uh, you do your own social media. How how have you have you liked that process? Do you wish it was different? How is it for you? I mean, sometimes I wish it was different, but but I mean, when you're going through the, the negotiation process like that, I mean, it's, it was tough. I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it was complicated because when the end you you know. You just got to know what your worth is as a player, know what know what your value is, and really got to know what you're, what you're shooting for. I mean, I know exactly what my worth is. I know exactly what my value is to a team. I know what, I, know what I, I deserve, but in my eyes, I don't even really ask for what I deserve. Do I deserve to be the highest paid defensive end in the league? Yes. But do I ask for that? No. Because I know, because I know, teams look at me like I'm 37 years old, this, such, and the other. So I'm like, I don't care about none of that. As long as I'm in a position where I'm comfortable, I'm happy, and the team, I see the team is trying to do what they can to make me happy. Then you know what? I feel like I'm in a great spot, and I can thrive where I am. I can play comfortable on the field. I can play fast. Mm-hmm. I. I have to throw I have to throw this at you. I, I, I want to put you in the GM's chair for a second. I don't know if you aspire to that after you finish crushing people on the field, but I want to put I actually you... I actually do. That's like the path I want to take is I want to be a GM. That's what I went to school for, sports manager. So uh, you are you're a GM of a, of a CFL team and you have uh, soon to be 30-year-old Willie Jefferson and 37-year-old Charleston Hughes. Uh, who's the higher paid player between those two? If you're the GM um, Who do you give more G- to? If I'm the GM, I'm giving more to the guy with 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 the the most the most stats. Who has the better stat line? Which stats are important then becomes the question. I mean, you you and Willie, what both first team All Stars this past season, uh, both crushed it both in, both in in different ways, right? You had sacks. Willie had. 60 I believe the number 63 quarterback pressures and set the record for passes knocked down uh you were the strip sack king of and strip sack force fumble king of the league this past season it's compare contrast yourselves if you would you know you know defensive end play real well uh how you play how Willie plays um 
I guess if you're looking for if you're looking for the upside, it just depends on what you're looking for as a GM. Are you looking for the win now or win over time? I mean, Willie's a younger guy. He hasn't just like I just said. Yeah. He hasn't hit into his his 30s yet. He's just breaching his 30s. So you probably haven't seen his best football. But if you look at the upside, yeah, Willie has a ton of ability, a ton of upside, and a ton of likability in the league. So of course I expect him. I expect him to be valued more because he's younger but if you look if you look at myself and you're looking at the guy who's gonna bring the most to the team as far as the the win now aspect of course i'll be the i'll be the one that'll be viewed so it just depends on how you're organizing your team whether you you're organizing as a win now team or you're setting up for the future willie's right now he's a young guy so he's he's putting it together he put together i believe his best performance of his whole career in the great cup last year and it's not it's no if ands buts about it. I was the best I've ever seen Willie play on the field in his whole entire career, and I tell him that I tell him that myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just want I just want to be clear for anybody who might tune into the interview a little later. You were not asking for Willie Jefferson money. The Willie was reportedly two hundred five thousand dollars. You weren't asking for Willie Jefferson money. No, that'd be silly to me, for me to ask for that much money during a pandemic. Yeah. But the difference was uh, was enough, and, and the gap was, I guess, I mean, too much to, to cross. What's what's next for you now? Have you talked to other teams? Will you talk to other teams? Well, you will, but have you talked to other teams? Um, Yeah, I've talked to a couple teams here and there. You know, some of the teams expressed interest. So, I mean, we'll just figure out, you know, what happens in the end. I got I got particularly one team in my, in my, in my radar right now that's in my crosshairs. And um, like I said, it's about a about a forty eight a forty eight hour deadline, and then I'm gonna probably just go ahead and and bite on the first offer that comes my way. Well, I uh, I, I the Riders are only scheduled to play the uh, the Argos and the uh, Alouettes twice next season, so well, you you might only have to wreck two games that I get to call. Uh, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Montreal, huh? You think I'm going to go to Montreal or Argos? Huh? Montreal, well, Montreal got nothing out of their front four last year, so I could see. Uh, well, uh, John Bowman, fine, but uh, John Bowman is uh, is 39. Let me let me wrap up with with this, Charleston. What will you take away from two years in Saskatchewan? Uh, the one thing I took away from two years in Saskatchewan is the fans is what make it a joy for playing for that team. 100, 110% the fans are probably the most important part of that team. The fans are what keep that team going, and that's what made it the that's what made it a joy playing for them for for these two years, yeah. two seasons. Yeah. Well, we uh, we have enjoyed watching you. I, I certainly enjoyed calling calling you wrecking dudes on the field, and uh, it's it's a little sad for me that it's going to be you playing for somebody else against the Riders next season, but. That's that's the business that uh, uh, that's the business of football that we're that we're all in. Yeah, it's the business. Like I said, it's the business. It's the nature of the game, man. Sometimes you gotta take it how it comes, and you know, teams as players, you gotta be able to sometimes not be not be unselfish enough to not take care of yourself. So when you when it boils down to it, you have to look out for yourself when it comes to this industry because you don't play it for long 
it's only a short life that you live playing football. And when it comes down to it, you can do, you know, a favor or two here for a team. But when it comes down to it, you better hope that team does a favor for you or two back when they, when you need it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Charleston, thank you. Uh, it's It's been a pleasure. Uh, our paths will cross again, and uh, I'm going to enjoy watching you play CFL football, though it's, it's going to be for somebody else's coming season. Thank you, man. Thanks. Derek Taylor with Charleston Hughes on the Western Pizza Hotline. Heading to break. We'll have an afternoon rush for you next, and then we'll hear from Coach Craig Dickinson following the announcement that the season will be starting for 2021. That was an exciting time. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 428 with the afternoon rush, and of course that was uh, Derek Taylor with Charleston Hughes following Charleston's release from the Riders at the beginning of 2021. And it was just yesterday that we found out that Charleston Hughes has been released from the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Hughes spending just the one season in Toronto after his highly productive tenure here in Saskatchewan. Hughes had just 18 tackles and two sacks in 2021. News from Monday, the Riders have signed Canadian offensive lineman Evan Johnson and Logan Furland to contract extensions. And Rider news from Tuesday, Canadian linebacker Micah Tights and American defensive back Nick Marshall have also signed contract extensions with the Riders. Man, it's good to see some familiar faces back in town. The Edmonton Elks have added another piece to their football operations staff. G. Roy Simon was announced Tuesday as Edmonton's new assistant GM and is set to play a key role under Elks GM and head coach Chris Jones. Simon has spent the past seven seasons as part of the BC Lions front office. Coming up next, we're going to hear from head coach of your riders, Craig Dickinson. It was an exciting time inside the sports cage following the announcement of the 14-game 2021 CFL season. That's next on The Cage. Today's one big number is 14. The CFL had a 14-game CFL schedule this year for each of the nine teams, and it was a memorable year, of course, for the Riders. A 9-5 and finish, first playoff win at New Mosaic Stadium, and an appearance in the West Final. Next, we'll hear from Riders head coach Craig Dickinson following the announcement of the 14-game CFL season. One big number for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Sports Cage on 620. CKRM, Sean Kleisinger here, just uh, still digesting all this turkey. Man, that's a lot of turkey to take in, isn't it? I mean, turkey for breakfast, turkey for lunch, supper. Got turkey buns now, probably for the next, like, two weeks. Oh, man, I love my turkey, but, man, like... Just need a little bit of a break from it, if you know what I mean. Maybe maybe sneak in a pizza or something. We'll, we'll see. Maybe a Western pizza sounds like a good idea for tonight. All of our guests, they appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And, yeah, it's a perfect time to order a Western pizza, especially when you're sick of eating turkey. So maybe take a break from turkey tonight and get yourself a nice pizza pie from our friends over there at Western Pizza. All right, let's get to this conversation. Derek Taylor with Craig Dickinson following the announcement of the 2021 14-game CFL schedule. CFL announced the season as a go yesterday. They revealed the schedule today, and I am delighted to have our next guest on with us to talk 
actual football as opposed to what he's doing with his time between football. He is the Riders head coach, Craig Dickinson. How are you, sir? I'm good, Derek. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. I appreciate you joining us. When you saw the announcement yesterday, heard the announcement, the CFL season was a go, what did you think? I was thrilled, obviously. I I, I thought it would go through. I, I know um, Craig Reynolds and every, you know, every team's been working so hard to try to get this going, and I really feel like the leadership Craig Reynolds has displayed and shown throughout all of this has just been outstanding, and he's kept us abreast of what's going on jeremy's kept me up to speed with what's going on so when they announced that it was that would have you know the the return to play was approved and the board of governors had given their their votes i wasn't surprised because um we'd been kind of been been anticipating that all along but it was certainly nice to see uh the official word come down and then you can really start to make your plans to get going yeah the official word came down yesterday have you been going full speed ahead for some time before that yeah, because we knew that the the vote would come down late. You know, you can't you can't just get ready to go for training camp in two weeks. So we've been planning for a, a July second report date all along, um, and then we were going to adjust if that didn't happen. So we've been planning on this for the last two months. So we're in good shape, and I'm sure every team um, has probably been doing the same thing, planning for the start date of August fifth with training camp starting. I think it's July 10th and our quarantine in Canada starting July 2nd. So we're we're ready to go and, and anxious to get up there and start going. Uh, Coach, with no preseason games and then, of course, guys coming in that haven't been in a game situation for a long, long time, do you switch up the way training camp would normally be? Um, I didn't catch all of that question, but I assume you asked about uh, no preseason games. Yeah, no no preseason games, and then obviously guys that haven't been in a game situation for a long, long time. Does that change up how, yeah. how training camp works for you? Yeah, we're gonna try to we're gonna have a green and white game, which is not anything new, uh, but we are gonna try to make it a little more competitive, a little more game like in terms of the transition of going back and forth. Um, you know, we've looked at. A couple of different scenarios of, of how we can get guys ready and how we can and try to simulate games as best we can without preseason so it'll be a challenge but I do know this we have a little more preseason practice than normal so a little more training camp than normal and what we're going to try to do is within those practices have more competitive ones versus ones twos versus twos to try to really do a good job of evaluating guys because without the preseason games the, the truth is you're going to miss some of those those evaluation opportunities that you get with a preseason. First four games at home with a bye week sprinkled in there. Uh, how important is it to get off to a quick start? Really important. You know, I talked to our staff this morning. Jeremy met with all of us, and then I I piggybacked on top of that meeting and really just mentioned to the staff we got to do a good job of looking at our opponents. We want to certainly be as good as we can and focus inward during training camp, but there will be. Uh, two or three days there where we'll spend some time looking at the BC Lions, looking at Hamilton, and looking at Ottawa and trying to at least get a sense for what what they're going to do going into those first three games because you're not going to have any tape on them. And, um, you know, two of the three teams have new staff, so you're really, you're really trying to kind of figure out what you think they're going to do on offense, defense, and special teams. Craig, are there any special considerations or, or things that you – will approach differently when you play five of your first six games at home? No, you know, we 
we have the same process, Derek, that we do every time. You know, we try to have a good week of practice, and we'll do everything the same. But we will, you know, we will put an emphasis on on taking care of business at home, just like we did last year. It just happens to be that uh, early in the season, those games are all going to be at home. So it is important to get to, off to a good start because we're traditionally a better team at home than we are on the road. I think most teams are, and. Uh, so without trying to put too much pressure on the guys because I don't want them to play tight, I am going to try to make an emphasis that we need to do a good job at home and, and we need to get off to a fast start. He is the Riders head coach, Craig Dickinson, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Every team seems to have some quirks in their schedule, and for you guys, it's October 2nd against Calgary, October 9th against Calgary, a bye week, and then October 23rd against Calgary. Uh, playing the same have you ever played the same team three times at any level of football ever i don't think so you know one year we might have finished finished with a team and then had that same team in the playoffs but to have them three straight that is unusual but um you know the one thing in in a small league Derek, is everybody kind of knows everybody anyway so you know that you want to look at the film especially early in the season to get a sense for the personnel you're going to see and uh so at that stage of the game, we'll know what their team looks like. They'll know what our team looks like. And so really the um, the tricks and, the, and some of the nuances that you get through film study, you're not going to you're not gonna have as much uh, much of a challenge getting that done. But it'll, it'll be an interesting run, you know, and that'll be three games against a, a perennial top team in the West. That'll go a long way, I think, towards determining how the playoff seed's going to look at the end. We talked to Cody Fajardo about that a little earlier, and he talked about – the chess match between offenses and defenses when they play uh, two consecutive games. If the third one adds a little extra layer. Can you can you describe if you agree with that that thought? Can you describe what that's like when you play a team consecutive games and how things change game to game? Sure. You, what you usually do is you have two game plans. You know, you have especially if you have a little bit of time before the first game of the back to backs. So you have uh, a game plan for your first game. And then you've got a, a game plan for your second game that that maybe you use a lot, especially if you didn't play as well in the first game. If you played very well in the first game and you feel like you can do similar things, you may cut some of that game plan down for the second game. But um, there is a chess match, and you want to certainly show a team um, looks that you think are going to be conducive to good plays, and then you've got to have the ability to have a counter off of that in the second time because – the one thing in, in pro football I've learned from watching and just being a part of it over the years is these guys are smart, and you might be able to get a team on a play one time, but those guys in the back end, the secondary, they've they've seen a lot of football, and so if you do that, try to do it twice, usually the second time they figure it out. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of strategy and a lot of chess match going on when you when you play a team back to back because their most recent memory is the game that they just played against you. So you better have some different formations and, and some way to get pressure on the quarterback that were different than what you did the first time. Yeah, Cody referenced Winnipeg in the Labor Day Banjo Bowl duo last year and how those two games from Winnipeg's perspective could not have been more different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they're a well-coached team. But, it's, you know, I've I got a lot of respect for all these teams in this league and, this, and the coaching that, that goes on and. And they do a good job of, of giving you something one week, and then the next week you may get something completely different. Uh, Dion Lacey uh, signing. How excited are you to, to find out about that? And uh, where do you yeah, think he's going to fit in, Will, Will or Sam? 
We don't know. Um, we know he's a good football player, and he's got a, a history of being an, an impact player on defense and on special teams. So that was that was a guy Jeremy brought up to me a couple weeks ago. We had him last year as well, and, and he's a guy that, that just fits what we do. He's tough. He plays hard. Uh, he plays defense and special teams, and he'll give you everything he's got. So we don't know exactly where he's going to fit in. You know, I'm going to challenge Coach Shives to find some spots for him on defense. We feel like he can be a linebacker for us. We feel like he can line up and rush the passer as well. And I know from personal experience, having coached him in Edmonton, he can play all special teams. So he's a he's a good football player. Loves the game. Uh, one of those guys that is usually, the, you know, banging on the door asking when he can come up early because he wants to train <laughs> and get ready to go. So we feel like that's a good signing for our team. Oh, I, I think Rider Nation got very excited seeing that name back on the. Uh transaction wire today talking to the riders coach craig dickinson on the western pizza hotline uh, when it comes to training camp craig it's not like any other training camp and there aren't games for rookies to to make an impact and get caught doing great things on film uh, if if a rookie came to you for advice on how they can succeed in this kind of training camp this year what would you tell them well number one they better they better learn the playbook i think that's the one thing that that a young player usually falls falls down on a little bit is is the mental side of it, and the second thing is they better come in in, in great shape because the CFL game it's it's different it's different than uh, what they've been playing in the states. Uh, it'll be different even than what they've done in, in you know in Canadian university football. So if they can dive into the playbook, show the coaches on both sides of the ball and on special teams that they're smart, that they understand football, and that they'll work to learn the playbook. That's a start. And then secondly, they better be in good shape because if you get injured in training camp, your chances of making the team go way down. Um, but the reality is, gosh darn, without preseason, it's going to be hard for a rookie to make this team. I remember uh, a funny story my brother told me when he was a rookie up in Calgary in 96. He said basically he was probably, probably felt like he was going to get cut, and he went in for the second half of the first preseason game, or maybe it was the second one, and he brought them back. They were down. He brought them back through two touchdowns late to, to win the game. And he said without that game experience and without being able to go into that game and show the coaches I can play well when the lights are on as well as in practice, he says he might not have made the team. And unfortunately, without preseason, there's going to be a few guys that are like that that might shine when the lights are on, but they may not get the chance just because we're not going to have a preseason. So We'll do the best we can to make practice as competitive as it can be and try to give them as many live, quote, situations as, as possible. But without preseason, it's um, it's a little bit of a, a challenge trying to find out who your best guys are. But everybody's in the same boat. With the layoff, is, is the risk of injury for a football player the same? Is it greater? Is it less? What do you, what do you believe is going to be the case? I think it's the same. I mean, I really do. I think... Most of these guys are in pretty good shape, and we're going to try to. We're not going to kill them the first few days of camp. We're going to try to slowly build them up, and try to get get their legs under them. The veterans know. I mean, that's the one thing. The veterans know what CFL football is like, what a pro training camp is like, and I think they'll do what they need to do to be ready. It's the rookies. But the nice thing is, the rookies, most of them, have been playing football in the last year. So hopefully, they've got a little bit of. Of football shape and we've we've worked hard to try to communicate with them what they need to do training wise to be ready and if uh, to be quite honest if they come up and they're not ready 
training training wise and conditioning wise and they get hurt their chances of making the team are, are going to go down and but that's just the the risk the risk that uh, all these guys take when they come to a camp can you describe maybe what you've missed the most about uh, being out there on the sidelines and coaching the team and, and what the emotions will be like uh, Friday night on August 6th when you guys are introduced to, to the Bring Em Out song, if that's still what they do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I miss I miss the uh, the atmosphere of the ballpark on game day. You know, that's a really special thing. Uh, you guys know me. I like to ride my bike into work, and I, there's just something special about coming in even if you're playing at seven o'clock, I usually come in around around one or two in the afternoon, and you can already feel it starting to buzz. You know the folks that are there working. You know the folks that work for Everaz Place that are getting the stadium ready for us. The folks that are doing security, they're already there. The cheer teams usually out there kind of practicing their deal, and and the uh, concession folks are starting to get food lined up. And there's just a buzz uh, that's really special. And I think I think everybody's gonna going to really enjoy feeling that again that idea of getting back to football the way we we know and love and and so that'll be that'll be that's something i miss the most it's not necessarily for me standing on the sideline it's just a whole experience of the of the stadium getting ready for game day and then obviously when when the flags the flags up on the on the scoreboard and you're singing oh canada that's a special moment and and you know that you're getting ready to do something you love and get getting ready to, to do something you've been training to do for your whole life. Yeah, we Craig, we spend a lot of time talking about the players and the emotions they have, but uh, you and, and all the coaches that, that work with you love this game just like they do, and, and this is a great uh, – I'm just so happy for everybody involved that this is going to happen April's, uh, August 6th, pardon me. Yeah, it's going to be really neat. I mean – and I, I really got to tip my hat to Craig Reynolds, Jeremy O'Day, and those guys have been working nonstop trying to get this thing going. And, and uh, with the help of the other eight teams and, and, you know, some good fortune along the way and people doing what they need to do to, to get vaccinated and, and try to get this thing going, we're thankfully in a position now where we can start talking about having a CFL season and having fans in the stands, and it's it's just wonderful to get going again. Oh, and we're going to pester you with questions about who's going to be at the field corner spot. What about Charbel the beer? Where does Brett Boyko? We're going to. It's going to be so great to to have those conversations and to, and to pick your brain for months and months. We won't do any more of that today. We we appreciate you giving us the time, but just knowing that that's on the horizon just uh, makes me smile. Yeah, it's going to be good days are ahead. So I'm looking forward to getting back there and seeing you guys in person. Love it, Craig. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. He is the Riders head coach, Craig Dickinson. Nice enough to join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. There's DT with Craig Dickinson on the Western Pizza Hotline following the announcement of the 14-game CFL schedule. That was uh, back in June that conversation happened. We're going to head to break, and then on the other side, we're going to start our countdown. The top 10 plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders season in 2021. Been looking forward to this. That's coming up next. This segment Brought to you by Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Sean Klasinger in for Derek Taylor today and the Riders' top 10 plays of 2021. Place 10 to 6 coming up here in a few minutes after our sports ticker. News from Monday. The Riders have signed Canadian offense alignment Evan Johnson and Logan Furland to contract extensions. And Rider news from Tuesday. 
Canadian linebacker Micah Tights and American defensive back Nick Marshall have also signed contract extensions with the Riders. Good to see them back here in Saskatchewan. The Edmonton Elks have added another piece to their football operations staff. G. Roy Simon was announced Tuesday as Edmonton's new assistant GM. And uh, looks like he's going to be set to play a key role under Elks GM and head coach Chris Jones. Simon has spent the past seven seasons as part of the BC Lions front office. The IIHF announced the United States has forfeited its game Tuesday against Switzerland at the World Juniors due to a mandated team quarantine after two players tested positive for COVID-19. The result of the game will be recorded as a one to nothing win for Switzerland via forfeit. So a big congratulations goes out to Team Switzerland. A big win over the States today. Uh, Canada's next game is tonight versus Austria. That's going to be a 6 p.m. puck drop Saskatchewan time. The Argos have parted ways with defensive end and former rider Charleston Hughes. Hughes spending just that one season in Toronto after his highly productive tenure here in Saskatchewan. Hughes had uh, just 18 tackles and two sacks in 2021. That's a lot lower than a lot of fans expected. Uh, Lightning star center Brayden Point, he's going to be returning to the lineup Tuesday when Tampa hosts the Montreal Canadiens. The former Moose Jaw Warrior has been out of the lineup since mid-November it was with a upper body injury. And some news from the NFL. This is uh, some tough luck for the Indianapolis Colts. Their quarterback Carson Wentz has been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list and he could be missing a key Week 17 game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Colts, they're currently sitting in the top wildcard spot in the AFC and they're also right on the heels of the Tennessee Titans as well for the division lead in the AFC South. And uh, yesterday, the Regina Pats got their second half of the season underway with a big 6-5 to win over the visiting Edmonton Oil Kings. And that was some uh, game to listen to last night. Six goals without Connor Bedard in the lineup. That's, uh, that's impressive stuff right there. And uh, the Pats back in action tomorrow night at the Brand Center as they welcome the visiting Winnipeg Ice to town, the first place Winnipeg Ice. So that's going to be one tough game. You can hear the pregame show tomorrow starting at 6.35 right after the sports cage, and the puck will drop shortly after 7 o'clock. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Counting down the top 10 plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders season. And before we start, an honorable mention. This one should have been in the top 10, could have been in the top 10, but there's only 10 spots at the end of the day. So we had to honor this one before we start the countdown. Albert Awachi's huge tackle on special teams in the West Final. Here it is. Plenty of distance. That's wide to the right. It's caught in the back of the end zone. Is Grant going to try to bring it out? Oh, no. Grant's got a lane. No. 5, 10, 15. Grant cuts back 20. No. Pass water 30. Grant caught from behind. Thank what a goodness. tackle. Who made the tackle? Because they need love. It's Awachi again, DT. Albert Awachi with a saving tackle because Grant was gone. Albert Awachi from the West Final making an absolute game saver at the time. A huge tackle on special teams. And yeah, if that one was taken to the house, you can make the argument that the game would have been over right there and then. But Albert Awachi to the rescue. And like I said previous, that play could have been in the top 10, but there's only 10 spots. It's so difficult to put these lists together because you only have 10 spots to plug in all these great plays. 
But uh, how to honor that one. Albert Awachi, a huge play going back to the West Final. And all right, here's our first five plays of our top ten plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2021. Here's Derek Taylor. Number ten from week 14 against the Elks. Got to zeros on the play clock. Nicely done there. Oh, he murdered this ball. Oh, my goodness. Ernest Edwards. It bounced at the 18. It's rolling. It's going to go out of bounds at the four-yard line. Wow. Oh, my goodness. If they mark this at the five, that's a 75-yard net punt from Corey Vedvik. Oh, my goodness. Number nine from week eight versus the Stampeders. They'll fake everybody to the right, keep it to the left. Lothers just going to squib it, and did he jump on it? He did! Brett Lother got it at his own 36-yard line. That is unbelievable. Lother lulled him to sleep, just dribbled it in front of himself. That went the 10 yards. Nobody threw a block on anybody that we saw. Never going to question Craig Dickinson. First down, Riders! Motives ever again. That has to be the last time I ever question a special team's motive. Number eight, week number one against the Lions. Nathan Rourke, 194 yards passing. He needs 80 more. Straight drop, got time, double clutches, has to spin out. Oh, it's going to be picked yep. up! AC Leonard dropped into coverage and took it away at the 35. Rourke seemed to panic, and the Riders will win. Number seven from overtime of the West semifinal. Mitchell turns around, gives it to Carey. He's hit the backfield, yep. and he's brought down Jonathan Woodard. 11 sacks in total on the season. Maybe no bigger play than that one because Renee Paredes is now on for a field goal to tie the game. Calgary with no chance to win it. Woodard played this perfectly from a defensive end perspective. Number six started the second half of the West semifinal. They're going to go onside from the Calgary 50, as they should, with Brett Lawther, who's been fantastic at this. It's up in the air. Oh, this is a great kick. A.C. Leonard has it. And the Riders have stolen a possession with an incredible onside kick from Brett Lawther. What a great call by Coach Craig Dickinson. Wow. We are at uh, December 28th today, and it still brings back the goosebumps listening back to those those are the first five plays of our top 10 countdown. Stay tuned at 620 today. We're going to be revealing the top five plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider season in 2021. Heading to break after the news, we'll chat with Evan Johnson, who signed with the Riders heading into the 2021 season. And what a big signing it was for the green and white. That's coming up at 505. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All of our guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And our next conversation, it's a special one itself because it was yesterday we found out this man will be back in the green and white in 2022, signing a brand new contract with the Riders. Here's DT with offensive lineman Evan Johnson after he signed his first contract with the Riders prior to the 2021 season. He was the first one announced to be joining the Riders today. Uh, he is Regina's own former Husky Evan Johnson. Evan, thanks for giving us some time today. 
Oh, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Hopefully you'll you'll get to do a bunch of these with us because you'll be so successful. CFL All-Star in your hometown, Grey Cup champion. You can be on the radio with us all the time. I would love that. Uh, did you always know you were coming to the Riders? I, I sure hoped for it. I, I didn't know what uh, free agency would look like and what uh, the pro football career path might turn out to be. But, I mean, playing for the hometown team is uh, definitely something you always hope to do. So, I'm curious uh, of your perception of what free agency was going to be like because watching from the outside, and I'm not the most learned football observer, but I thought, oh, here's a young guy who's played multiple positions and has really shown teams some stuff. Uh, there should be a lot of attention for this guy. What was your perception of what your free agency would be like? Well, I I look at it pretty cautiously, and I, I don't like to get too excited for, for the potential uh, things that might not turn out. But uh, coming back to Saskatchewan was definitely the, the primary target. We wanted to come back close to home and be close to family and friends and all the rest. And uh, So, yeah, Saskatchewan was the primary target for sure, and I mean, the the talk seemed promising in the window, and just to cross uh, to sign off on the dotted line here today on the contract. So, uh, yeah, just watching the different motions, different pieces fall into place for sure. Tell me if you would about your three years in Ottawa, because I was going back through it, and you started primarily at left guard, but you had some starts at right guard, and then a, a, quite a few at right tackle as well. Tell me about. Uh, playing multiple positions with the Red Blacks. Yeah, I mean, that's always been important to me and uh, to the teams that I've been a part of is uh, versatility. Versatility in the CFL will get you quite quite far, so I've always tried to make it a priority to be able to play and know what everyone else is doing on the line as well. So being able to play left guard, right guard, right tackle, uh, if needed, I can play center or left tackle. I can pretty much play anywhere if needed. Um, so that, that was always important to me growing up playing football and learning the playbook. So, um, but mostly left guard, I played out there Mm. and, uh, yeah, versatility has just been super important to me. Uh, we're also looking at perhaps Sam linebacker, will linebacker and boundary slot back. What are your skills like in those spots? (laughs) Oh, I'm hopeless out there. I I wanted to dig through as we talked to Evan Johnson on the Western Pizza Hotline. I wanted to dig through and go. I wonder what was his first start at right tackle. Do you remember who you played in your first start at right tackle for the Red Blacks? Oh, first start at right tackle. I don't remember who it was. It was Saskatchewan, and I thought, what was the conversation when they go, Evan? We need you to play right tackle, and it's against Charleston Hughes and Willie Jefferson. That's right. That was out in Ottawa then. That game, I believe. Yep. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a big game for sure, going up against two just dominant pass rushers. Uh, I I like to think I'd held my own pretty good, but I'd have to look back through that tape and, and double check. <laughs> yeah, you made it out alive. Sometimes that's what we can ask for. That's incredible. Uh, and Evan, obviously, right. congratulations on, on making it back to Ryderville. Uh, you, you, you played three years, would have been four, obviously, if 2020 wasn't canceled. So you'd start to call you kind of a vet, one of those veteran presences. But, uh, you know, obviously, Brennan Labatt's here, Dan Clark's here. Uh, what do you think you can, you know, still learn from those guys, you know, starting to become a veteran, but, you know, still younger than those two? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the more years you play in, in the sports or in any craft, I mean, you, you learn so much stuff. And I mean, those guys, I'm sure know 
way more than I could comp- possibly comprehend right now. So I'm really excited to be in the same room as those guys, learn from those guys, and uh, work alongside them. Uh, something else with offensive line play is it, it makes your job a whole lot easier when you got good players beside you. So I'm definitely looking forward to playing with those two guys for sure. Uh, obviously, we all dream about playing with our hometown team. I, I'm sure it's a question you've probably been asked a lot already, but you know, what does it mean to, to be a member of, of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and a, a team I'm assuming you grew up cheering for? Absolutely, yeah. Being a Regina kid, I mean, uh, my parents took me to the Rider games all the time growing up. I would watch them on TV and you know, watch the games with my friends all the time. So I uh, grew up cheering for them and, I mean, got started playing football when I was young and uh, really enjoyed it, really took off with it. And, I mean, always hoped that you would come back and play with the Riders. And uh, for it to happen this year, today, is, uh, man, it feels so awesome, so exciting. And I just can't wait for the season to get going. Evan, has there been any talk to you about what position they would like you to play? Will they plop you right in at that right guard spot? Yeah, we haven't talked uh, in-depth too much with it. I I would expect to come into camp and compete for that right guard spot uh, for sure. Yeah, that's the goal. And and the thought of that doesn't bother you? That it's not the left guard that you played in Ottawa? No, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, versatility, like we talked about earlier, has always been important to me. So to be able to switch from left guard to right guard, I'm not, not too concerned about that at all. Uh, Evan, we've been talking about that versatility and something that you've done throughout your career. Is that kind of becoming the standard for, for guys on the line now or, or something that will become the standard uh, as football moves forward? Yeah, it's a little hard to predict what, what the future looks like, but I think the versatility is just, it, it's, there's so many guys that can do so much. And to be able to stand out and be able to do, uh, you know, and perform at any of those spots, I think is just so valuable to any organization, any team. Um, if you can only play one position, I mean, that limits your options to break a roster or find a, find a home position for yourself too. So uh, being able to be versatile. I also long snap as well, which uh, I never had to do out in Ottawa, thankfully, because <laughs> all of our starters were healthy, but um, I was a backup long snapper out there as well. So <laughs> just trying to add value wherever i can yeah well, well and let's not kid anybody that that's value right like those are i mean jorgen hoos is is a fantastic long snapper but if he gets hurt all of a sudden you're scrambling and if there's someone to go to that's that's there's absolutely value in that absolutely yeah and long snapper is one of those positions that gets overlooked until yeah. you don't have a good long snapper in there <laughs> then you go oh this, this could be a problem so you definitely need quality quality starters and backups there for sure. Uh, week 14 of 2018, Ottawa, Saskatchewan. Uh, we have you allowing two quarterback pressures in that first start at right tackle. One of them to Willie, uh, which that's a pretty good number. That's that's what we have for that game. So you, you apparently did a hell of a job that day. <laughs> well, I appreciate you digging that number up. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like not too bad of a day at all. Two pressures, oh. zero sacks. I mean, and going up against such quality defensive ends, that's so that's definitely a nice figure for sure. We're talking to Evan Johnson, the newest rider on the Western Pizza Hotline. I, I wanted to reach out to uh, one of your former teammates because I, I, I said, well, okay, I want someone who, who really knows well to tell us what, uh, what Evan Johnson is, is all about. Uh, I, I hit up Sir Vincent Rogers. Tell me about Sir Vincent Rogers first uh, so we can gauge the value of his opinion. Oh, he's, he's one of the best in the business. He's an 
outstanding left tackle. I had the pleasure of playing with him for a couple of years out in Ottawa there. And you know what I said earlier about your job gets a lot easier playing against or playing beside quality players. He was absolutely a quality player. He made, he made it a lot of fun out there and made easy work for me for sure. All right. So uh, you, you would have started, gosh, uh, where are my numbers here? You would have started, I think 22 games uh, alongside him. Uh, He said this about you, Evan Johnson quote, very stout player with a quiet grit about him quietly goes about his day-to-day work and is tough as nails at his core He's a fun-loving kid who plays the game with the utmost integrity. We had really good chemistry as left guard and left tackle, which aided in the success of our run and pass game. Great man altogether, exclamation point. Uh, Your impression hearing those words from Sir Vincent Rogers. Wow. I mean, that is some very high praise uh, from someone that I think very highly of. So that is, uh, yeah, very high praise. I'm very happy to hear that he had, had to say that about me and, I, I think I would say very similar things about him as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we also reached out to uh, – there's a, a man named Anthony Locke or Loke who reached out to me on Twitter uh, and had this review. He said he was my defense partner in Pee Wee. He got lots of penalties because he was two feet taller than everyone and all his hits seemed high. Uh, can you confirm those stories? Uh, I, I remember that for sure, yeah. I remember I would get penalties for hitting too high, roughing checks to the head just because I was taller than the guys. and I didn't think that was very fair at the time, but I, I guess the refs got a call if they got a call. So, Well, if your elbow is at a guy's head height and you keep it pressed to your side, that, to me that ain't your fault. That's not, that's not your fault whatsoever. I, I would be inclined to agree with you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's terrible officiating and that person, yeah, anyway. We'll, we'll go on from that. Uh, uh, Evan, between now and whenever the CFL season starts, w- what are your plans? Uh, p- plans? Uh, I'm just so excited to get going with it. Uh, I was talking with the O-line coach, and he's going to start sending me some of, the, some of the playbooks so I can get ready with that. I'll continue training up here at Ignite Athletics with uh, Joel Lipinski and uh, the rest of the pro group up here trying to get all of us in shape and ready to go for the kickoff. Love it. Evan, uh, no doubt there is going to be a ton of interest in you and you'd end up somewhere, but when a deal is finally officially done, is no matter who you are, is there just a bit of a, a relief when that happens? Absolutely there is, yeah. We've, <laughs> we, we've known we've been going into free agency for a while and we've just slowly been waiting for this day to come and for it to come and we got the outcome that we wanted and signed back home. I mean, now there's nothing left to do but just wait for the season to start and make sure that we're in the best shape we can be to make a championship run. All right, uh, final one, Em, before we let you go. Uh, apart from yourself, who is going to be the most excited to see you in green? <laughs> well, I, I think my wife's going to be very happy to see me in green and uh, both of our families. They're, they're excited to see us home and be able to cheer for the home team for once here. Yeah, I suspect if they didn't have season tickets, they're, they're, they're on their way to getting them now. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, Evan, uh, thanks for the time. Uh, congratulations on the deal uh, with your hometown team. I know everybody in Regina, uh, Saskatoon, with the Huskies program must be just delirious about this on this day. And as as Ryder fans to go, oh, okay, well, no beats will be lost on the offensive line this year. That's uh, that's very exciting as fans. So, so uh, congratulations and thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. There's DT with Evan Johnson back in February after Evan Johnson signed with the Riders. And, of course, yesterday we found out that Evan Johnson 
signed a brand new contract with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders as he is back for the 2022 season. So it's funny how these shows work out. Did not plan this obviously whatsoever. Did plan to have Evan Johnson's initial conversation from back in February to air today. But then yesterday when I read that news, I was like, oh, this works out quite well because uh, Evan Johnson signs a brand new deal and he's going to be back with the team next year. Heading to break, and on the other side, we're going to hear from another big signing on the offensive line prior to the start of the 2021 season, Brett Boyko, another Saskatchewan great. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 520 with the afternoon rush. News for Monday, the Riders have signed Canadian offensive lineman Evan Johnson and Logan Furland to contract extensions. And Riders news from Tuesday, Canadian linebacker Micah Tights and American defensive back Nick Marshall have also been signed to contract extensions uh, with your green and white. So it's good to see some uh, familiar faces back in town here. And uh, the Edmonton Elks, they've added another piece to their football operations staff, G. Roy Simon was announced Tuesday as Edmonton's new assistant GM. And uh, looks like he's set to play a key role under the new Elks regime, GM and head coach Chris Jones. Simon, he spent the past seven seasons as part of the BC Lions front office. The IIHF announced the United States has forfeited its game Tuesday against Switzerland at the World Juniors due to a mandated team quarantine after two players tested positive. For COVID-19, the result of the game will be recorded as a 1-0 win for Team Switzerland. So big congrats to Team Switzerland with the big win today. Uh, Canada's next game is tonight, uh, just over a half hour away, 6 p.m. Saskatchewan time as the Canadians take on Team Austria. And another big piece on the offensive line in 2021 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders ended up being Brett Boyko. So that was another huge signing prior to the start of the season. Here's DT with Brett after he signed with the Riders. Riders announcing two signings today. One of them is Saskatoon's finest. Brett Boyko joining the offensive line of the Riders, and he joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline right now. Uh, Brett, congratulations on your deal with the Riders. Thank you very much. It's a dream come true, and I'm more than excited about it. It, it, was Was this something you always wanted to do, to play for the Riders? Oh, I mean, growing up, that was uh, that was the dream. I mean, I think, you know, I, I I don't remember exactly, but my parents tell me I was about three years old when I said, you know, my dream was to play professional football for the Riders. And I think I told every every school teacher I had that and everybody that ever asked me what I wanted to do, that was that was the dream. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's bucket list stuff for me. So I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity. And I'm like I said, I'm more than excited for it. Who were your or who was your favorite rider when you were a kid? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, it's actually funny. Now that I now that I signed, I got to tell my my mom and dad to get out some of the old pictures cuz I used to be that kid standing in uh standing out at the old Taylor Field waiting for the guys to come out and get autographs and pictures all the time. I mean, it it, it for me I was gosh, I don't know. I mean, I actually, one of my favorite guys was Jackie Mitchell, the linebacker. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I met him when I was younger, but I was a big, you know, Jackie Mitchell fan. Omar Morgan, a lot of defensive guys. Uh, you know, uh, gosh, who else is there? I mean, you go Gene Mikowski, you know, Dan Farthing. Like, there's, you know, there's. I, I've met a lot of them. You know, they probably didn't know who I was back then, but I knew uh, knew who they were, and I got a lot of pictures with a lot of guys. So I, 
I mean, anytime I could could meet a rider, I was uh, pretty pumped up about it. I feel like it might have been a sad day when you realized that you'd grown too tall to be the next Omar Morgan. Yeah, you know, I, I think I realized that at, a, at an early age when <laughs> yeah. uh, my foot speed wasn't uh, near as good as his. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have some sources within the uh, Saskatoon football area, and, and they've passed along to me some rumors of your, uh, well, your, your high school days there, and I hope you can confirm or deny them for me, Brett. All right, yeah, let's uh, – hopefully nothing embarrassing, but let's let's see where this goes. No, uh, I was sent a video. Actually, uh, you were – you played defensive end for uh, uh, for uh, St. Joe's, right? Yeah, for uh, St. Joe's Guardians. There was, there was one clip where you're coming off the left end. You kind of take the tackle and you just throw him. And I'm like, oh, my God. Wow, that is – that's a performance. Uh, the rumor that I would love you to confirm or deny is uh, that you broke your own thumb in grade 11 on purpose. True or false? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's false. I don't know why anyone would ever break their own thumb if they, uh, if they had the option to, to not have a cast. No, that was, that was uh, yeah, that's false for sure. Because one of the thoughts was that you were so effective playing with a cast that you, that, you know, you know what? He probably broke his own thumb so he could use the cast and just humiliate guys with the cast on. <laughs> no, I wish, I wish I could say that, you know, I wish that was some cool story. Actually, it happened on a tackle. I just tackled the guy and landed on my thumb and, I don't know, finished the rest of the game, and then from there on it was uh, taping up, and I had the big club. So, uh, I mean, it was uh, it was a, a tough year because we, we, we had a really talented team that year, and we just came up a little short, but we had a stout defense, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, I saw the video today on Twitter. It kind of brought me back down memory lane a little bit. Oh, and it was it was impressive. Uh, I, I found in my life hurting my thumb was kind of the worst thing I ever did. I once, I once tore a ligament in it, and I never realized – how much stuff I did with, uh, it was with my left hand. I'm like, I never realized how much I did with my off hand. Thumb injuries are among the worst. Oh. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's with any injury, right? I mean, you, once, once something's taken away, you realize, gosh, how much you're overcompensating or how much you have to do one thing to, to, you know, fix another and, and things that became easier 10 times harder because of it. And yeah, the thumb is a pretty critical factor. Uh, we got to wear that big club and use it pretty effectively. Uh, I'm also told, I didn't know this, you played quarterback in grade 12? Yeah, my, my senior year, we needed someone to throw the ball. We had a lot of weapons. We had uh, Shane Buchanan was a running back. We had Jason Hoos, receiver. We had a lot of weapons, so they needed uh, needed someone to kind of get the ball swinging and and uh you know truth be told quarterback was the position I always wanted to play growing up uh actually I went to a Matt Dunnigan camp when I was younger and he told me that that's the only position I should play going forward so that's uh that's that's something that was a dream come true for me in high school was to be able to you know stand behind center and and uh have the ball in my hands every play I think you ask any offensive lineman uh, they'll tell you they they wish they could have played quarterback at some point. How good were you as a high school quarterback? Uh, I mean, I'd like to say I was pretty decent. I think I I led the led the triple SAD in all the in all the categories, so I was uh, pretty pretty happy with that. But UNLV, I I went and saw the roster, and you were you were an, you were a lineman right from the start at UNLV when you got to college. They weren't they weren't buying quarterback. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, they did not give me a chance to swing that rock at all. So it was probably good for them and maybe maybe good for me because it's all worked out pretty 
uh, pretty all right. Uh, six foot seven quarterbacks can make some money, and that's uh, that'd be all right. It's uh, Brett Boyko, newest rider with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, I, I'm curious. We 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 talked before on the show, but I don't know if I asked you uh, how a college student survives going to school in Las Vegas. I feel like the deaths would just be rampant with with what might happen just down the way on the strip. Oh man, I mean, I it was a culture shock for sure when you go from kind of Saskatoon to uh, to Las Vegas. But I mean, I just you know I had a lot of fun. I mean, there was no 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 denying that I had a blast while I was there and, and met some some great friends and teammates and and you know lifelong relationships. So. Uh, it was a little culture shock. It was a little different. Those those bright lights on the strip, but uh, you know, you kind of when you're a, a college student, you got to kind of make time for for you know your priorities. You got to get your priorities and uh, you know priorities handled. So I, I think I did a good job of kind of managing everything. But yeah, I definitely had my fair share of fun in in, in Vegas. Uh, late in my high school years was when UNLV was this mon- this basketball monster. Uh, they beat Duke by whatever it was, 30-something in the NCAA final, and it turns out that everybody was getting paid and Larry Johnson and everybody were was getting big money. Was that money still flowing when you were a football player? Was it still uh, uh, get a little for, for Brett's? Uh? <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't see any ah. of it, so if it, if it would have been going around, I, I, I would uh, – you know, maybe I need to make some calls back to UNLV because I would have uh, – I would have liked a handout here and there, but no, there was none of that going on while I was there. Ah, Anderson Hunt and just the whole gang just ripping up. A, anybody who beats Duke by 30 is going to get a lot of love from across the uh, the nation. I, I want to talk to you. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I want to talk a, a little football with you because uh, you've been in the NFL, you've been in the AAF, and, and now you've been in the CFL. I was in a debate uh, or in a discussion with a guy about the yard off the ball in the Canadian Football League and how much of a difference it makes. And, and I'll make my point in a second, but, but for you, having been in American college and then in American football to the CFL, what was the yard off the ball like for you as an offensive lineman? Uh, honestly, I mean, I think for me it was, it was the biggest change. You know, guys, guys have a lot more space to kind of dance around and, and uh, you know, they, they kind of more so avoid, avoid contact a little bit, uh, a little bit easier just because of that, that space where normally in the NFL, you know, and I've told this to people before, I feel like the NFL is, is still a little bit more physically demanding because it's a little tight quarters and, and, you know, you got a guy basically breathing on you. Um, but when you have that, that yard off the ball, you got to get a few extra steps in and it's just different. I mean, I think the timing of everything's just a little different, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a transition and it was fun. I mean, for me, I just wish, you know, I would have been a little healthier, in uh, in 2019 but i'm feeling great now so that's what i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to and and you know it'll be nice to get back on the field and kind of get used to that yard off the ball again when when i watch uh the nfl now what what they'll do with the offensive line is they'll say okay you're in line if your head and you could explain this better but like if your head is equal with the center's buttocks you're essentially in line which which gives the offensive line a little space from the defense i don't know if it's a full yard but i go I think from watching it from the outside, oh, isn't the NFL already sort of giving that yard to offensive linemen? Is it is it the same? Is it different? Well, I think like that's just more so for like our advantage. Like you do want mm. a little bit of space, you know. When I, when I was playing down south, and you know, we had our coaches tell us they, you know, some of our coaches wouldn't want us to have a lot of space. Like if you were in in the, uh, you know, I would say you know center guards, but the tackle, you know, when you're on out on that island versus some of those edge rushers that the NFL has you 
you kind of want a little space just to get yourself set a little better. So uh, as a guard, you kind of line up a little deep on the center and then the tackle a little deeper just to give yourself uh, a chance to kind of get two feet down before some of those athletes who are moving a mile a minute can uh, can can get under your shoulder pads. You mentioned the timing, and I'm, and I'm curious how that plays out on the field, how the timing is different from American and Canadian ball. Can you can you kind of explain for those of us who don't really understand the timing that, that is asked of you of ever, on every play? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's it's kind of like I was referring to with that with that yard off the ball, right? Like I mean, with with the yard off the ball and and some depth as an offensive lineman in the CFL, you're you know you're taking maybe five six steps before you're making contact with someone. Where in the NFL, it's happening a lot faster. So it's getting your feet in the ground and 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 getting quicker and and just making sure that you're set on contact. Where in the CFL, uh, you know you have that extra time, so you got to almost slow yourself down a little bit and just be a little more patient in yourself because your kind of timing's a little off. You know, you're not taking two quick kicks and making contact anymore. You're taking three or four quick kicks and making contact. So it's just a little different and, and just the timing because that defense, you know, that uh, the defensive lineman, he's lined off, lined off, lined up, sorry, a full yard off the ball. So, I mean, even on his first step, you know, he's, he's basically just getting to the line of scrimmage before he can, uh, you know, get close to you. So you have that extra second, and it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just the timing, and it just comes with reps and practice. Well, and in the CFL, they can be little wiggly, fast guys, not exactly little, but football little, and then they have all that space to get around you if you're to the field side. And it's It's got to, I mean, we talk about, the, the saying is it's on an island. I feel like in the CFL, uh, it, it really is on an island with some of the guys that get thrown at you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just like I said, the space in general, I mean, you got that, you got that big, big field, you know, you got guys lining up a little wider, you got DNs lining up a little wider. I mean, there's, you know, there's some different uh, creativity, you know, inside the, inside the tackle box in terms of defenses and, and blitz, pe- uh, blitz pressures. So uh, it is, it's a, it's a different game, but you know, the goal is kind of the same. So it's just about uh, figuring it out and, and putting yourself in the best position to succeed with Brett Boyko on the sports cage. Uh, what's your hope? Is your hope to continue? Uh, you had five starts for BC. They were all at tackle. Is your hope to continue at tackle? Will you do whatever is asked of you? What, what do you hope for 2021? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, like I, I'm the, you know, the healthiest I've been in, in years. And, you know, sadly COVID happened, but, you know, it was, it was kind of good for me that it, it gave me a chance to recover. I mean, I, I got hurt day three in, in, in BC training camp in 2019. And it was, you know, one of those, one of those seasons where, you know, I'm limping into every game, not really, you know, barely could, barely could practice kind of getting out of bed limping. And, and so it was a, it was a tough go for me. Um, but I'm feeling great now. And I, and I think that's what I'm, I'm more excited about is, is to come home, play for Saskatchewan, a team. I was a, you know, a diehard fan growing up and, and they're, getting what I feel like is, is the best Brett Boyko, you know, and, and I'm excited about that. So uh, I don't know where, where I'm going to play. We haven't talked about it too much. I mean, they, they let me know that I'd have an opportunity to kind of come in and compete for a starting job. Ideally, I would like to play left tackle. That's, you know, in terms of positions, I've, I've spent a lot of time playing left tackle. I've only played, you know, five games of right tackle and in, in this, in, you know, for, for BC. So I haven't, haven't played a lot of right tackle, but I, you know, my body's feeling a lot better and, and things are feeling better to the point where I feel like I can play all five positions and it's just going to be 
you know, finding out what's best, uh, what's best for everybody. I like it. I like it. Uh, final one. How much green is currently in your wardrobe and how much will there be come say June? Oh, well, I'll tell you what, once, <laughs> once I went to BC, I, there wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of green around me anymore, but I'll tell you what, my, my family is maybe some of the biggest diehard rider fans around. So I've always, I've always uh, been surrounded by the green and white, even when I was in BC. I mean, I'll tell you what, we, my family came to a game while we were in BC and my uncle even wore a rider jersey when we were playing the riders. So they, uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're very diehard and they, they bleed green, bleed green and white. So I'll have uh no problem getting uh, getting my fair share of who, green around here. Who who are the happiest besides you to to hear of this signing? Who's the happiest in your family? Oh, I think I mean I I would say my my parents, but I I think even in terms of my parents, obviously my mom was really happy. But I think this is this is my dad's dream. You know, my dad my dad's ecstatic, and like like a lot of people. I mean, I've I've been very fortunate enough to have an incredibly incredibly large support system you know i have uh you know i have a a big family and and good friends and i've you know been spoiled to have them all support me wherever i've went you know even like i said when i was with bc and and they're all rider fans it's a little different for them but you know telling my dad was one of the things i was most excited for and and you know i could tell that him and and my guido and i told him they were they were both really uh really fired up and and, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the joy about me coming back here and, and why I wanted to get a deal done so bad is because it's exciting for me and it's my dream. But like I said, I think it was, uh, I think it was my dad's dream too. So he was, uh, he was really, really fired up for it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people outside the family are, are very happy to hear this news today. Brett, thanks for uh, giving us some time. Congratulations on the deal. And I can't wait to see you on the field. Oh, me neither. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Go Riders. DT with offense alignment, Brett Boyko on the Western Pizza Hotline. Brett Boyko ended up being a pretty big piece on the offensive line this year for the Riders. On the other side, we're going to hear from second-round pick from the 2021 CFL Draft, wide receiver out of Virginia, Canadian Terrell Jana. We didn't see much of him in 2021, but uh, maybe big things to come in 2022. Terrell Jana with Derek Taylor next on the cage. Cage on 620 CKRM here for Saskatchewan Lotteries and I'm Sean Kleisinger and coming up just after 620 today we're going to be counting down our top five plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider season in 2021. If you missed the first five you can hear it on demand shortly after the show's done. I'll have it posted and you can find it wherever you find your podcasts but uh, we're counting down the top 10 plays altogether from the season that was in 2021. The 2021 CFL draft was a good one for the Riders. Our second-round pick in that draft, in my opinion, was one of the biggest steals in the draft. We didn't see the production that we thought we were going to see, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be something good going forward. The Riders selected wide receiver Adder Virginia with their second-round pick, Terrell Janna. And Derek Taylor and Drew Posty chatted with Terrell after the draft. One of the newest members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders taken in the second round in the draft just recently, Terrell Jana. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, how y'all doing? Good. Uh, tell us, did you expect to get the call from the Riders? Did, did, was there a team that maybe you thought you'd get taken by? Or, or what was your, your sense going into the draft about where, where you might go or, or where you might end up? 
Yeah, uh, I really had no clue. I was just, you know, right now I'm still in school, so I'm still trying to get my graduation finished and doing some projects and stuff. So I, I, I talked to every single team, and I, you know, all you know, great people, and all went well. So I had no clue what it was going to be, but I'm happy I found a home. How'd you take in the draft, Terrell? Sorry, say it again. Oh, how did you take in the draft? Were you were you watching online? Did you watch on TV? How did you how did you experience oh, your yeah, draft day? Yeah. yeah, so no draft night. I was um, well. I'm still in school right now, and, and the school I'm in, they had like a this dinner thing for the graduating class, so I actually had to attend that. So I was just checking my phone and kind of in and out of the of the party, and then um, and when I finally got when I finally saw and got the call, that's when I kind of left and called my family and everything, kind of just you know, experience that kind of feeling with them, which was, uh, was pretty amazing. I love it. Who, who was the family member happiest for you? The happiest? <laughs> um, I'm not, it was, I was on FaceTime, so my mom and dad, they, they seemed pretty, pretty – I'll, I'll tie them for first because, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess seeing them, their, their excitement was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I just feel like there, you, you could go deaf in calls like that. Like, Mom, I got picked by the riders, and then she just screams, and all of a sudden now you are now you have hearing in one ear only. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, wh- what do you think? What do you what do you think about the Riders? What were your conversations like with the Riders in advance of the draft? Yeah, they were great. They were great. You know, I've 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 been down in the states now for man, I think six years. So I've I've kind of been separated a little bit from from the Canadian Football League. But um, you know, just growing up, you know, I've obviously in BC, uh, I just heard nothing but great things about about Saskatchewan, about the fan base. Of the culture there, and of course, you know the stadium and, and the history. And um, I'm, I'm super excited to join the team. I'm super excited to join that fan base because I, that's the one thing I think stood out a lot for me was just how, how passionate the fans were. You know, at the games, you know them showing out and uh, showing up. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. So I'm excited to play in front of that in front of that fan base. Uh, four years uh, at Virginia. What what does that amount of time do for your game playing playing at that level uh, as you prepare to become a pro now? Yeah, I think you know, really playing in a in a Power Five conference. I, I'm seeing, you know, just elite players every single week. You know, uh, we we played Clemson, we played you know Trevor Lawrence, Etienne, we played you know a lot of the DBs that were being drafted. I played with those guys, so you know, it's it's something that you know playing elite players something I'm used to now. Which definitely when I first got here was not without the case. So uh, I think just building confidence, you know. Uh, showca- showcasing, I think, not only my own ability to get other players, but just learning from guys before me who, you know, are, are playing in uh, the NFL right now or CFL. Just a bunch of really good people here at UVA. I think I got lucky choosing UVA because our development as a, as a player was, you know, almost outmatched my development as a person. So I'm just grateful to be a part of the community. Men's basketball outdid you guys, though, during your time there, though. Do you feel that? Did, 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 did any <laughs> guys make fun of you for that? Like, hey, we lost to a 16 seed, but then we won the national title. Like, yeah, their, their story I think outdid almost any sport, any yeah. story ever. That was it's pretty remarkable. And you know, being friends with guys on the team, man, it was it was it was amazing to see the comeback that they had. Uh, that's a testament to, to Coach Bennett and the rest of the players, man, and how they how their culture is now. And you know, our our team is um, rebuilding, and you know, it's on the up and up from uh, from when I first came here. And just seeing the football team um, evolve the way the basketball team has too, it's. it's you know, I think, you know, both of them is a reflection of the, the whole kind of academic, I mean, athletic community here because mm-hmm. it's growing and it's fun to be a part of. He's the Riders' second-round pick in this year's CFL draft. Well, Jana, he's with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I, I was lamenting yesterday that uh, some athletes will not 
brag about themselves. Even if they accomplish amazing things, they won't brag about themselves. I, w- I would love to put you on the spot here, Terrell, and say, uh, just for a second, if you would brag about yourself, tell tell Ryder fans the best play, the best plays you made in your college career. Which ones stand out for you? The best plays? <laughs> you know, I, I, w- I think you're right. I, I don't like, you know, very kind of, you know, to my own horn, but I would encourage Ryder fans, you know, hopefully to to look at some of the plays I've made, and I think I'm gonna tell them the play that meant the most to me. Please, uh, was my first touchdown, and that was my second year. Um, and that was just, a, I think, a, you know, a culmination, a lot of hard work and a lot of hard nights, and and just seeing the reaction that my teammates had and my support staff had. Uh, for me, that was my my favorite play. My time at UVA, but they, they can go find my best play if they want. Hopefully, they'll find some good ones. Tell us whatever you remember about that play. What was called? What happened? How you felt? How the crowd reacted? <laughs> what do you remember from that? I, I don't know how much detail um, I can go into. I remember every single second of it. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, we had a we we had a play called Bow on, which was a two man concept. The inside guy was my teammate Alameda, who's playing for the Falcons right now. He. Uh, running a bow route, which is five yard out, and I had a, a pretty much a go route. And the, what the defense was against Pitt, and Pitt's defense, they kind of run a, a, a cover four kind of style, and the, the safety in the corner are covering us two, and they play a read it defense. So pretty much if the number two guy beside me, if he goes low, the corner on me drives down that guy. So that's what they did. We knew it was going to happen, and we knew if that happens that the ball's coming to me. Uh, when, a corner, when a corner drove, I knew it was coming to me. I was sprinting. The safety messed up and didn't get over top in time. Uh, it was pouring rain, so the ball, I was just nervous I was going to catch the ball because I had no gloves on, it was raining. Once I caught it, man, it was that, that was the end of the day. It must have been like uh, 30, 30 yards maybe, yeah. and it was just celebration. It was awesome. So all I'm hearing here is Ryder fans can expect smart and fast and great hands even in terrible weather. I think we will enjoy that as Ryder fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by, by any means, <laughs> our biggest responsibility of our team is to catch the ball, and that's what I'll do. Uh, Terrell, what what do you expect to? I don't know if the Riders have told you anything about what your role might be, but what what do you expect you could you could be at the CFL level? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely don't want, don't want to, to restrict myself or enable myself too much. But speaking with the coaching staff, I know that they they want to see me in the slot. Um, but of course, I can play outside, inside. Um, I, I definitely think you know, in, in the middle, in the slot, using you know angles is kind of where my game thrives, and that's where my, I'm best. Hopefully. You know, if I get the opportunities, um, you know, I'll make the most of them and, and, and try and shine with them. And But then again, wherever the coaches put me, that's what I'm going to play. And, you know, Ryder Nation will, will get everything out of me. Before we move on, one, la- one last football question I want to ask you. Uh, every NCAA player, as I understand it, had a chance to take an extra year of eligibility. But you you chose not to do that. Why did you uh, – why why not, I guess is my question. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, I think I was I was just ready to to start my professional career. You know, especially if you know, as being football is a hard sport, you only have so many years in you. So I, I knew I was ready to take the next step and trying to maximize as, as long as I can and professionally. Um, but secondly, I think just UVA, this, the team I'm at right now, Virginia, it's, it's a it's a very tough culture. Um, and being here for four years, you know, I, I gave it everything I had, and I knew come back for a fifth year, um, you know, how hard it would be to kind of maintain some of those, those those small you know kind of nitpicky things that are required of a college you know student athlete and honestly i think it was time you know what I, i'm trying to move on to the next level uh play professionally you know and just focus on football for now 
how important was it for, for you? And I don't know how much time you've had to, to read into it uh, when you saw that the CFL came out with, with a plan for, for returning to play and, and they released a schedule. Obviously, nothing's in, in stone right now because of COVID-19, but how, how important is it for, for you and, and your fellow draftees to you know, at least know there's, there's a, a plan in place and we're working towards that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think just tr- trusting the leadership and hopefully they can, you know, put together a good plan. And, you know, obviously I've been down here for a while now. I'm not too sure how COVID's going on, you know, even back home in, in my home city, but or Saskatchewan or Ontario or anything like that. So hopefully, you know, the country as a whole is taking control of it. Cause I know down here in Virginia, things open up a little bit more, especially in the States. So um, I, you know, I'm not the professional, so I'm going to let them handle that and, you know, hopefully come back with a good plan. But I, I trust that, you know, that everything will be taken in place to make sure safety is the biggest concern, the biggest thing. So if that's handled in that, with that perspective, then it's hard, hard to complain about anything else. He is the Riders' second-round draft pick. Terrell Jennings with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Terrell, says, uh, doing some research in advance of getting a chance to talk to you, just the, so there are stories that have been written about you and stories that, that you've had. And, and I, I looked at them and I went, I think this guy wants to be a really good citizen. Like the, there's a story about you took your, your name off the back of your Jersey and you got involved on campus at Virginia. Uh, it, I thought this guy wants to be a good human being. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the goal for, for anybody in life, but uh, luckily for <laughs> me, I've, I've had some good people around me, you know, um, some good, good mentors some good role models and the good support staff that's allowed me to, I think make the most of my time here in Virginia, which I'm thankful for. What was what was important about taking your name off the back of your jersey at Virginia? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a long story, but to to, to try and keep it somewhat brief, um, UVA has a pretty here in Virginia has a pretty uh, uh, deep and history of slavery at the at the at the, the university, uh, especially with Thomas Jefferson being our, our founder. Um, and recently, Virginia has kind of been reconciling with that and. They built a memorial for all the enslaved laborers that worked here in Virginia. Um, and I visited that memorial this past summer, just opened up this past summer. And I realized that none of the, the, the laborers had last names, um, and some mm-hmm. had no names on there at all. So for me, it was a way to – I wear the V-Saber, which represented Thomas Jefferson and UVA as a whole. Um, on my chest, on my back, I wanted to represent uh, the people who look like me, um, who paved the way for me to be here at UVA. Um, by not wearing my name to kind of pay homage to those people. Very cool. Uh, you were also present at Virginia during the, the Charlottesville riot. Uh, what was an experience, uh, what kind of experience was that for, for yourself? Yeah, that was back in uh, August, August, yes, August 11th, August 12th in, in 2017, that went down. And it, it shook, you know, obviously the, the country as a whole, but um, UVA, the, the city of Charlottesville, um, even more. And it was, I think, it being so kind of unexpected, was very tough. That was my first year, so I was still kind of grappling with and learning really the history of UVA and kind of understanding why this was happening as a whole. Um, that number that day, we were middle of scrimmage. Pra- we were in the middle, middle of practice. Uh, we're scrimmaging outside, and number was going on forever. Kept going, kept going, and coach kept adding more periods and more periods, and we couldn't figure out why he was doing that. And after we realized, we got back to the locker room. We saw what kind of was going on around us. Um, and I still was unsure about the the campus and, and grounds. We call it grounds at UVA. I wasn't sure about you know. The images I was seeing, I really hadn't been those places yet. Cause I just I was been in you know dorms as a freshman, uh, but now that you know living here and you know being in those places every single day, it's pretty remarkable to to see you know kind of what went down. But I think the the best thing that came out of it was the response that this this community, this city had was amazing. 
Um, and it, when you come to Charlottesville today, you, you, you see um, a city that's reconciled with that, who's moving past that, who's working ways to, 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 to better our um, kind of questionable history here, too. So I think for me, the best thing I got is we're just seeing a city come together, which is pretty remarkable. I love it. I love it. Uh, Terrell, thank you so much. Appreciate you giving us the time today. Uh, the drafting, the riders taking you in the second round has given rider fans uh, a little extra hope toward the, the coming season of the things you might be able to do within this offense and within this team. Uh, you should know when you get here, people are super excited that you're coming. <laughs> uh, well, they, they should know that I'm excited to come through, and, and I can't wait to join the community there and, and to prove prove them all right. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Terrell. Appreciate it. Second round pick in the 2021 CFL Draft, wide receiver Terrell Jana out of Virginia, and he joined Derek Taylor and Drew Posty on the Western Pizza Hotline following the draft. And, of course, it was, you know, not the season we wanted to see out of Terrell Jana, but I think it's fair to say there was a lot of things in 2021 that Ryder fans did not want to see, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. But we expect big things going forward from Terrell Jana. He's a star-studded receiver. He had such a great career at Virginia and looking forward to seeing him making some big plays in the green and white going forward. Heading to break, we'll have a sports ticker for you next, and then at 6.05, we'll hear from head coach Craig Dickinson once again as he reviews the season that was in 2021. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 5.56 inside the Sports Cage. I'm Sean Kleisinger here with the sports ticker. The Argos have parted ways with defensive end. And former rider Charleston Hughes. Hughes spending just that one season in Toronto after his highly productive tenure here in Saskatchewan. Hughes just had 18 tackles and two sacks in 2021. So I can't say it's too surprising that he was released by the Argos, but uh, still somewhat of a surprise nonetheless. Lightning star center Brayton Point. He's returning to the lineup Tuesday night when Tampa hosts the Montreal Canadiens. The former Moose Jaw Warrior has been out of the lineup since mid-November with an upper body injury. And some news from the NFL, Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz has been placed on the reserve at COVID-19 list and could miss a key Week 17 game against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Colts right now currently sit in the top wildcard spot in the AFC and are right on the heels as well of the Tennessee Titans for the division lead in the AFC South. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Coming up next hour, we have a conversation we had with Riders head coach Craig Dickinson following the conclusion of the 2021 season. And then after that, our top five plays from the Riders season. What will be number one? Cannot wait to reveal that coming up shortly after 620. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. I'm Zinger in for Derek Taylor today as we take a look at the year that was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it was a pretty good year at the end of the day when you have a chance to kind of sit back and think about it. Yes, we did not win the Grey Cup, and that's always the goal. But uh, we had a pretty good year. I mean, 9-5 and five in the regular season. We won our first playoff game at the new Mosaic Stadium. We made it to the West Final. We could have won the West Final. I know 
coulda, woulda, shoulda, all of that. But you know what I mean. It was a good year altogether. And then after the year, we had head coach Craig Dickinson join us on the sports cage to talk about some of the good memories from 2021. It was just pure good vibes with Coach Craig Dickinson. Here he is with DT. He's the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I'm hoping he will tell us just how cold and windy it was on Sunday. He's Craig Dickinson. How are you, sir? I'm good, Derek. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, everything is everything is good this time. It was a little uh, it was a little hit miss hit and miss on on Sunday in the in the post game. Yes, it was. How uh, when I went down after the game, I walked on the concourse and I froze in about two and a half seconds. What were conditions actually like on the field during that game? It was really cold. I mean, uh, it was one of those games where you could just feel it in the air. It was really crisp and almost almost took your breath away at some at some points. And then the wind, the wind was uh, in your face at times, Derek. Other yeah. times it felt like it was coming across the field. It was really hard to gauge the wind, but it was cold and windy, and just one of those games where you know you had to focus on what was important and not worry about the weather, which was. Not that hard to do, actually, in a game of that magnitude. But it was a cold, windy, windy day, that's for sure. Okay, we, we got very little sense of that in the booth. Uh, in practice times, you're a shorts and tights guy. Uh, I, but I don't remember what you wear during games. What's your warmth level during games? <laughs> well, I, I got to dress warm enough that I, you know, and I'm not uh, thinking about the cold. But the, here's the thing. When you have a headset on and when you have to flip channels, which I do, I have to go from offense to special teams to defense. Yep. You can't wear a huge coat because you can't see the, the uh, control box in, on your headset. So I try to wear something. I try to layer as best I can and wear something that's not too heavy so I can still function and, and be able to flip channels. But I got a little cold in that game. I'm not going to lie to you. So I tried to keep moving and drink some warm water in between drives. Have you ever gotten the layering really incorrect? Like you were either way too cold or way too hot? Never have because, oh. you know, I like to ski and snowboard and uh, I'm pretty good at that and I have some pretty good gear. So I, I pull it out of the uh, out of the closet and I throw it on for cold weather games. I just make sure I throw a new era hoodie over the top of it all. Ah, that's good. Uh, other experiences have guided you in which way to go when you can judge the activity <laughs> level. Occasionally, you probably maybe have to go over and yell at an official just to kind of warm up a little bit, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's totally it. Just that's... try to get warm. i got to get my blood pressure up a little bit. All right. Uh, I want to ask you some of your reflections of the season, uh, but just uh, one more from the game. And don't tell me what the play would have been, but you must have had a killer special teams play sitting in your pocket just in case you had to bust it out in in that game is that true that is true okay I, I... we had two. Oh, <laughs> oh! i can't we what? just couldn't get to it we yeah. couldn't force him to punt enough times to to go after we had a really nice block but it was it was designed on a certain hash with a verse versus a certain look okay but we'll we'll hang on to it well I, you said the one you used in the 2019 west final you'd been sitting on that one for years yeah, yeah, there's a few we got. You know what, though, the weather, when the weather gets nasty like that, a lot of your quote-unquote trick plays have to, you know, have a lot to do with the kick being good. So then, then it starts getting to be a little bit uh, little bit dicey. But we, we got a few in our 
in our back pocket, and hopefully we'll be able to use him next year when the time is right. I love it. I, I love the thought of all of that. He's the Riders head coach, Craig Dickinson. He's with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, we asked you all the hard questions after the game and the day after the game, so I wanted to not do any of that, if that's all right by you, and just ask you about some of your favorite things from this 2021 season. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works for me. What, what was your favorite game this season? For whatever reason, it might have been your favorite game. Sure. I think it's kind of a tie. I would say the, both wins against Calgary, the, the playoff game and, uh, and the one at their place. And if I had to choose, I'd say the playoff game because we worked so hard to get, get a home playoff game and for us to be able to go out and execute in front of the home crowd and win a playoff game at home. That was probably my fondest game of the year. I like that. I like that. Uh, just as an aside, I promised you I wouldn't ask you any questions about playing your brother, and I'm proud to say I got through four games against Calgary and never asked you anything about coaching against your brother. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. Well, yeah, it's good work, Derek. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. We get focused on certain certain themes in, in sports broadcasting. I'm like, no, no, we're going. We're, let's talk about how Calgary doesn't blitz. That's way more uh, interesting to me. Uh, your favorite play from the season, if there's one, I don't know if there's one or a few that stand out, but your, yeah, your favorite play. Too, and it comes from the same game. You know, I really, I really enjoyed seeing us execute the short kickoff to start the second half. That was rewarding. And then the other one, same game, was when Jamal Morrow took that punt back. We've been working hard all year on our punt return. Calgary came in with the best, you know, the best statistical punt team in the, in the entire league, maybe the best punt team in the last three or four years in the CFL. And, for J-Mo to bust one there at, at uh, early in the game, that was that was a real special play, in my opinion, for the year. Yeah, and I mean, the statistics bear out Calgary, how good they were in punt coverage, right? I think it was at, at kickoff, it was 5.3 yards per return, and the next best team in the league was 7.5. They, they tackled everything this season, except for Jamal Morrow in that case. Yeah, that was the... Uh, and that was a key play. Kind of busted busted the game open for us a little bit and got us going a little bit. So that was that was probably my favorite play of the year. All right, you, you know I like numbers. Do you have a favorite statistic from the Riders season? Uh, you know, I think my probably my favorite statistic might be our our net punt. Our net punt was much improved this year, and I was I was very proud of that because we we looked long and hard at our. Um, at our coverage from 2019 and tried to figure out a way we could get better. And I, I think we, we found a way we could get better. So I, I think our net punt improved by about eight yards or seven yards, something like that. And that's a lot, you know, that's a lot for a season. So that's probably the one statistic that I was, I was hanging my hat on and being most proud of for our guys. Yeah. It, just as an aside, um, gosh, Richie Leone in Ottawa I do a, a yards above average where you take every punt and you compare it to every similar punt for the last decade. Leone just blew the charts off of that one. Cody Grace in Calgary was fantastic. There was something about punters and punt teams this season as far as net punting that was phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, the punters this year were outstanding, and they were across the board good. Every, everybody had a good one. So I think I think the Australians coming in added something to it. I think the global players – added something to it. And then I think also um, the cover teams were just outstanding this year. Well coached. I think, I think mm. the special teams in this league are well coached and it's, it's a lot harder to get yards than it used to be out there. Yeah. He's the Riders head coach and special teams guru, Craig Dickinson with us. Uh, Craig, give me a player or a coach who you were really happy to see do well this season. 
Okay, well, let me think here off the top of my head. Um, you know, a player that I was really happy to see do well was Mac Henry, our defensive mm. tackle. He, here's a guy that's just, you know, he's he's got a heart of gold. He's one of our, our leaders in the locker room in terms of guys that, that people really respect. And to see him have a good year like he did, you know, knowing he's not a young kid either. He's like 33, 34 years old, but – uh, I thought he had a really good year and really did a, a great job on the football field. And so I, I like him as a person, and I really like to see him do well. So I was, I was really happy to see him have a good year. Yeah, you guys have a real nice mix of interior defensive linemen. M- Mac Henry and uh, Garrett Marino are these absolute bulls. Micah just makes plays in the backfield by whatever means necessary. Anthony Lanier as well. There was a real nice mix in that interior D-line. Yeah, that's a good group. I think our D-line was probably our strongest position group of the year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's bring in Clayton Croker. Uh, Clayton, any questions for the coach? Uh, just one. Favorite rookie of the year? Like newcomer that came in that kind of took you by surprise. You maybe thought, okay, training camp spot guy, but then turned out to be a really good player. Yeah, well, let me think here. I, I think probably uh, Logan Furland. You know, even though he wasn't necessarily new to the building, he was a rookie, and he ended up he ended up winning what we call our Ironman Award of the Year, which is given to the guy that plays the most plays, and he had the most actual plays uh, on the whole year. So he was a guy I was really happy to see come in and do well. You know, Webb, Damon Webb would be another guy mm. that, you know, that we weren't sure what we were going to get out of him, but, boy, when we put him out there, he sure played well. So those two guys would be definitely in my top two. I'm keeping it short and sweet today, DT. Like always, you're stealing my questions. <laughs> we're we're just that in sync, Clayton. We're just that uh, in sync. Uh, Craig, I, I'll often ask players who I don't know a ton about, to just give me a self-scouting of yourself. Uh, so let me ask you, uh, how do you think you improved in, in season number two as a head coach? Well, I think I think I did a better job of, um, of uh, addressing the whole team. I think – I think I had a better feel for the the locker room this year. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I didn't have a feel for it in 19, but I think yeah. after a year and then a year year to reflect, you got a better feel for what maybe the leadership is like in the locker room and you can hopefully um try to steer it the way you want it to go. I I think I also did a better job of of um of game management in terms of just taking the ball versus uh, deferring. I think I had a plan you know, there were some times when I would defer, and there was a lot of games where I wanted to take the ball and try to get the crowd into it early. So I think I felt good about that. Now, whether whether I did better or not, you know, I certainly made mistakes during the year like we all do, but I think I had at least more of a plan, more of a, uh, a plan of attack, so to speak, and a strategy on why I was doing what I was doing. And I was thinking about it a lot more this year than I have in years past. So um, I think my game management improved. It can it can improve more for sure, but I thought it was better in in 21 than it was in 19. I, I like that a lot. Uh, preseason, regular season, and playoffs. I think it's now 37 games in charge over three years and two seasons. Uh, looking back at at it at this moment, how do you like being the head man? I like it. You know, I, I think it's a, a real privilege. You know, I, I think it's an honor to be. Um, asked to lead lead this football team in this football crazy province in this wonderful country of of Canada and in this great league called the CFL. So um I really feel honored and privileged to be able to do this and I I certainly don't take it for granted. I I really feel like 
I'm blessed and lucky to get this opportunity, and I hope I hope I can continue to do it because I really feel like it's a, a rewarding and a, and a, uh, a really an honor to be able to do it. Yeah, it, the responsibilities what what go through the roof though, right? Like you have to deal they, with us every do, damn but, day. Oh yeah, but I'll tell you what, what an honor. I mean, what what a privilege to be able to influence a locker room. Uh, you know, have have a, a say in a young person's life in terms of trying to make a difference in, in how they view the world and how they see themselves. And then just being able to represent the province in this city in, in such a good league. I mean, I really feel feel honored to be in the shoes that I'm in right now. Yeah, and as as Ryder fans, we are absolutely happy to have you. Craig, just before we let you go, uh, give us give me anything that, that I should watch for in the Grey Cup. It's the Bombers and Ticats, and you played those teams, what, three times and two times this season. What will you be watching for in Sunday's game? Well, I think it's an interesting matchup. I mean, I wish we were in it, but <laughs> here's why. I mean, it's almost like their roles are completely reversed from 2019. You know, it's the yep. same two teams but they're coming into it from the exact opposite sort of angle. You know, Winnipeg two years ago was the underdog, so to speak. And, and Hamilton was getting all the awards, coach of the year, player of the year, uh, Canadian lineman of the, all, all of the awards. And now it's going to be Winnipeg. You wait and see, they're going to win every award in, that, that they hand out pretty much on, on uh, Thursday. And Hamilton is the team with something to prove and something some uh, chip on their shoulder. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, I still think Winnipeg's fronts, defense and offensive lines are just so good uh, that I think eventually they'll take over and, and end up end up wearing Hamilton down. But it's a one-game deal, and, and Hamilton's playing at home. So I think there's some real, real intriguing and fascinating storylines to watch in this next Grey Cup. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for a uh, rematch of the 2019 Grey Cup game. Like you said, the exact opposite as they both head into this. Uh, Craig, thank you for being with us today. Thanks again for, for all your hard work this season. And, uh, yeah, here's hoping everything gets, gets set and there's no more pandemics all of a sudden take away the 22 season and we do get to see you guys uh, chase a Grey Cup at home. That would be great. I appreciate visiting with you as always. Thanks, Derek. The head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson who joined us on the Western Pizza Hotline following the season. He chatted with Derek Taylor about all the good things, all the good vibes from the year that was in 2021. And coming up next, it's the moment we've all been waiting for, the top five plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2021. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM here for Saskatchewan Lotteries on this Tuesday. And it's time to reveal our top five plays from the 2021 Saskatchewan Rough Rider season. Been waiting for this for a long time. Really excited. Here's Derek Taylor with play number five. Number five from the first quarter of the West Final. First down, Bombers. Pressure coming from Micah Johnson to the end zone. Dembski is wide open, and he drops it and picked off in the back of the end zone. Dembski had it in his hands. It goes through his hands, and Ed Ganey has his third consecutive pick for the Riders. Dembski just makes this catch so much harder than it needed to be, and when he bobbles it, Ed Ganey, who's just been outstanding the last couple games for Saskatchewan, is there to gather the interception and give the ball back to the Riders on the 25. Number four in the second overtime of the West semifinal. Ladies and gentlemen, the best kicker in the Canadian Football League 
is walking out. I feel like he should have Stone Cold Steve Austin's music right now. He's got a chance from the 34-yard line to put the Riders in the West Final. Look at Cody. Cody's already halfway to the dressing room. It's Lother for the win. It's up. Oh, no. Flag is down. It is good. We have a major foul against Calgary. Yes. For hitting the long snapper. Brett wow. Lother puts the Riders in the West Final. Number three from week seven against the Argos. Five-man pressure quickly. A little hit screen to Schaefer Baker. 20. Still alive. 15. 10. Schaefer Baker oh, wow. is going to score. How did he do it? Lord. Riders touchdown. Wow. Number two from the West semifinal against Calgary. High spiraling kick. Morrow's going to have some room for the 41. 45. 50. Morrow still alive. Morrow. He will run away from almost everybody. Jamal Morrow and the Riders have the lead. Saskatchewan's been waiting for one of these for 14 straight weeks. Number one from the West Final. Two catches for 10 yards for Duke. Shaq Evans, no targets, no catches, no yards, no impact. 10 seconds ago, run blitz coming. Five, Fajardo gunning deep for Shaq. Caught, Duke's got it to 50, he's on the run, 40, 35, 30, Duke making some moves, Duke Williams around Alexander, and he's going for the end zone, touchdown, Duke Williams, and the entire province of Manitoba is silent. And there you have it, your top 10 plays from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the year of 2021, and was there ever any doubt the top play in uh, the Riders' season. I mean, Duke Williams, huge touchdown in the West Final. We waited all year for a huge passing touchdown like that. We finally got it in such a huge moment, a huge play in the West Final. Of course, we all know the outcome, but uh, regardless, such a huge play from Duke Williams. Ah, man, reliving some of those good vibes back in the 2021 Saskatchewan Rough Riders season. And we are just a few short days away now from 2022. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be chatting with a whole lot of players. Check out this lineup we have tomorrow. We're going to hear from Cody Fajardo, Paul McRoberts, Shaq Evans, Ricardo Lewis, Logan Furland, Duke Williams, just to name a few. So it's going to be a really fun show tomorrow. I am going to wrap up today's show on a sadder note. But uh, it has to be said, the NFL just releasing this a few minutes ago. Uh, this is uh, from Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. Earlier today, we received the sad news that the great John Madden died unexpectedly this morning. He was 85. Uh, this is end quote from Commissioner Roger, uh, Roger Goodell. He said, on behalf of the entire NFL family, we extend our condolences to Virginia, Mike, Joe, and their families. We all know him as the Hall of Fame coach of the Oakland Raiders and broadcaster who worked for every major network. But more than anything, he was a devoted husband, father, and grandfather. Nobody loved football more than coach. He was football. He was an incredible sounding board to me and so many others. And there will never be another John Madden. And we will forever be indebted to uh, him for all that he did to make football in the NFL what it is today so again John Madden passing away today he was 85 years old and the first memory that 
I had of John Madden was uh, Super Bowl 31, the Green Bay Packers taking on the New England Patriots. And I just remember, you know, listening to Pat Summerall and John Madden call that game. They were so good together. I think the best duo ever to call games in the National Football League. So to wrap up today's show, I'm going to leave you with a clip from John Madden after the Green Bay Packers won Super Bowl 31. This is what it's all about. Winning a championship. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. The greatest moment of your life. You'll never forget it. They can never take it away.